morning's reading is from Galatians, and you'll find it on the overhead screens and in your lift, uh, leaflet. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, to Galatians chapter 3, verse 18. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or by your believing what you heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw what God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all you who rely on works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been fully established, 
so it is this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave to Abraham through a promise. All right, well, uh, before we get stuck in, just two things. Uh, If you've got your Bible passage there, keep it open. You'll uh, need to hang on to that. Uh, Make sure what I'm saying is actually what God is saying to us. Uh, The second is just in relation to Impact Camp. uh, I just want to make sure that money is not an issue or a barrier that stops anyone from coming along. Uh, We have been in situations over the years where we haven't been able to afford things Uh, And I know it can be hard sometimes to uh, receive, uh, but that's part of the beauty of being God's family. And so, yeah, please, if you've got youth uh, that could go to Impact Camp, uh, don't let money be an issue. Register them. There's a pay later option. Just tick that, and uh, we can uh, have a chat, and we can definitely sort that out. Well, let's get stuck in. Can I get rid of this one? Is that all right? The hard work sounds a bit whistly. All right, take two. Nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could. So somewhere in my youth or childhood, I've lost already. I must have done something good. Come on, you guys know it. What is the hardest thing, do you think, to swallow about the gospel? Uh, What... What do you think makes the Christian message so hard to believe? Now, we could come up with a heap of different answers, couldn't we? And for different people, there will be different answers. Uh, Maybe miracles are something that are really hard to swallow. Jesus rising from the dead, well, that's a big one. Uh, That can be hard to swallow. Jesus' claim to be God or to be the only way. And these are all real hurdles, aren't they? But I think there's an even bigger hurdle, something that's even harder for us to come to terms with, something under the surface. And it's not just a hurdle and a barrier and a difficulty for people outside looking into Christianity and thinking about it. I think this is also the hardest thing for Christians to believe as well. And actually, this past week, I've had three conversations with it. Uh, about it with uh, with three people, uh, two of them Christians, one of them who was a Christian uh, and found this particular issue so hard to swallow that they've actually walked away. And as I look at my life too, actually this is the one thing that I've struggled with most in accepting about the gospel. Well, what is it? Any clues? Grace. I hear someone, grace. Grace. I think when we live in a nothing-comes-from-nothing world, the hardest part of the gospel to swallow is that it is completely free. 
the fact that Jesus did everything for us and we don't and we can't bring anything to the table. We really struggle with that, don't we? I mean, we have a hard time going to someone's house for lunch without bringing something, don't we? We feel like we have to contribute. And uh, we also find it hard to accept favours from friends without feeling like, okay, now I owe them one and looking for the opportunity to pay them back let alone trusting our eternal destiny on someone else and what they've done for us, even if it is someone as amazing as Jesus. See, I think there's nothing that's so foreign to us as humans as completely free, you don't contribute anything, you absolutely don't deserve it, no strings attached, grace. It's hard, isn't it? hard to believe. See, we feel like a person should deserve to be saved. We feel like a person should prove that they're worthy. They should only really be accepted if they make the grade. Grace, I think, is the hardest thing for us to grasp and believe and take hold of and swallow in the Christian faith. And so today, as we come to the heart of this letter, right in the middle, right at the very crux, we see actually that the Galatians are just like us because the Galatians too, their ultimate problem was that they had trouble swallowing grace. Even though when Paul first came to them and preached the good news of Jesus, they'd received it with joy, they'd been excited and they'd turned to Jesus. It hasn't taken too long before they've struggled to believe that Jesus really could do everything for them. They struggled to believe Jesus really had given them all they need. See, as we saw last week, we heard that a bunch of uh, Jews had slipped into the church uh, and these Jews had managed to convince the Galatians that they still weren't right with God. What Jesus had done wasn't enough. They They couldn't just trust Jesus they actually needed to do something themselves. And these Jews were encouraging the Galatians not just to do something, but do a lot of things. Uh, They told them that actually you need to keep the entire Jewish law. You need to become Jews and you've got to keep all of the Jewish codes and rituals and sacrifices and practices and, and codes. So from circumcision all the way to shellfish, from Sabbath to sacrifice, the message that came across was Jesus isn't enough. You need to justify yourselves. Nothing comes from nothing. You need to do something good. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't feel drawn to Judaism. Maybe there are some here. Uh, Personally, I love bacon and prawns too much. It couldn't, couldn't work. And so I think for most of us, we're probably not sitting here feeling that that is our issue, that our problem is probably not being drawn back into converting uh, to uh, Jewish faith. But the problem underneath it, the deeper problem, the problem of having the trouble of actually believing that Jesus has done it all, well, that's a problem that I think affects all of us. I can guarantee that every one of us is or will be drawn to doubt grace. Every single one of us will be, will be drawn 
to doubt that faith in Jesus really is enough. Every one of us will be drawn to contribute to our salvation, to rely on ourselves, to prove ourselves, to earn our salvation, to justify ourselves. And sometimes we actually see that kind of in a backwards way. Sometimes we see that when we, re- when we catch ourselves thinking that we're, we're not good enough. We catch ourselves feeling like, actually, I've really blown it. God couldn't accept me. I've done things that surely I've given up my salvation because of the sin that I've committed. So this passage today is for me and for you. And it's the heart of the gospel. So let's have a look at what Paul has to say to us here. What does Paul say about this this turn back to the law? Well, firstly, he wants us to recognise that the law is all about doing. Verse 16, three times uh, he calls them the works of the law. Uh, Verse 10, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. See, the law is all about doing. And because the law is all about doing, the law is all about who? It's all about me, because I'm the one that needs to do the law. And this is what Paul's getting at in verse 3 when he summarises this whole problem by accusing the Galatians of trying to finish by means of the flesh. Verse 3, after beginning by means of the Spirit, see, in other words, you began following Jesus by God's Spirit doing his work in you. Are you now trying to finish your life as a Christian to finish the race by means of your flesh? Now, flesh is a kind of slang that Paul uses here to refer to our bodies and our fallen nature and he contrasts the two, the spirit and the flesh. See, it's interesting, isn't it, that it was God's work that begun in them and now they're turning to their own work. They believed originally what they'd heard about Jesus but now they're trying to follow, uh, to finish the race by their own work. Now, we don't need the Jewish law to fall into this trap, do we? As we've noticed, this is a trap for all of us. Now, um, uh, often when I go to visit people, and over the years, uh, as we've done missions and things in various churches, or just if I'm on the train or out in public and I I meet someone, I was talking to a, a dad at the skate park a little while back, and we were talking and, and we got uh, to these two questions and one of the questions that I asked was, well, look, if you were to die and you're in front of God right now and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? I actually can't remember what he said. Uh, but if, if, if we were to go out and door knock uh, the hills, what do you think most people would say when you ask them that question? Why should God let you into heaven? I've been good. You know, that is, as my experience and the experience of other people I've talked to, that's the number one response in this country. You go around, you ask, why should God let you into heaven? I've been a good person. You know, you know I haven't been too bad. 
unbalanced, I'm kind of better than I'm bad, and I'm not as bad as those people, I think God will let me in. And you know what? It's not just outside the church. Because I've found over the years that I, this is actually a really helpful question that I ask other Christians. And I've found a lot of the time that I get a very similar response. It looks different. What good looks like is slightly different. Good might look like, oh, I go to church, you know, I read my Bible, I pray, um, you know, I try and follow the good commandments, you know, I give. But it's all about the flesh. It's all about me and what I do and not about Jesus and what he's done. And Paul makes it really clear here, doesn't he? Really, really clear. No one is right before God based on the flesh, based on what we can do. You could be the best person on the planet, but no one will be right before God based on what they have done. See, the law, Paul says, cannot justify us. It cannot make us right with God. Point two, the law justifies no one. Verse 15, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And in case it wasn't clear enough already, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Clear? Crystal? Well, Paul doesn't think it's clear enough, so he says it again and again. In verse 16 and chapter 3, verse 11, no one will be justified. No one can stand before God and be accepted by God based on what we have done. You could be Mother Teresa, give your entire life to caring for the poor. But if you're counting on that, you're counting on what you've done to make you right with God, it won't. And Paul knew this. See, Paul had tried this, hadn't he? Paul had actually, as a Jew, he'd worked harder than most Jews to make himself right with God. He worked really, really, really hard to follow the law. He actually had done a really good job of it by all accounts. But when Paul met Jesus, he knew that he could never make the grade. He knew that he could never prove to God that he was worthy he knew that his flesh, following the law, could never justify him. And so Paul says to the Galatians, who have started to go down that road, who have started to go to the law and trust in their own flesh to make themselves right with God, Paul says, don't do it. Don't go there. That road doesn't lead where you think it does. And actually, rather than leading to blessing and being right with God, it goes the other way. It leads to curse. Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do most of everything written in the book of the law. Now, I don't know if you have them here, but uh, in Sydney, it's quite common driving around to 
see these little posters that are nailed to telegraph poles? And they say rent to own. Have you seen, do you get those in Adelaide? No? Well, I'll give you a rundown. The scheme is kind of that uh, you rent the house from the person that owns it and then over time you pay it off until you eventually own it. And that sounds pretty good. Um, but I remember one day being quite curious and I investigated one of these uh, and just read some of the fine print. And what happened is if you defaulted on a single payment, you missed one payment, you lost everything. So you could be two weeks in and, you know, $1,000. You could be 10 years in and $500,000. You default on a single payment, you lose it all. And that's exactly what Paul says about trying to make God pleased with us based on what we do, on trying to justify ourselves based on following the law. If you make a single slip-up, you default on the whole thing. And so that's what happens when we play that game. The whole thing comes crashing down, and rather than blessing, we bring down curse upon ourselves when we trust in ourselves to be right with God. And so I just want to stop and say, if you're playing that game, if, if you know in your heart that actually you've been trying to earn your way to God to prove to him that you're the kind of person that he should accept, if you realise that the reason why you've been serving or giving or coming to church or reading your Bible is because you're trying to make God happy with you, I want to say it's not going to work. It's not going to work. No, we need to stop trusting in ourselves and in our own flesh. And the good news is of the gospel, as we've been looking each week, that God has made a way that we can be right with him. He has made a way that we could be justified. And it's not ourselves. It's all about Jesus. Faith is all about done. Law is all about doing, faith is all about done. 3 verse 1, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. We told you, we showed you, it's already happened, he's already done it. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us, past tense, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Verse 20, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've got a question. Uh, what are the best bills? What's the best bill to receive in the mail? None? One that's already paid. Whoever said that, I'm not paying your bills later. Uh, just before we moved here, uh, we needed a bit of work done on our car and we'd been holding it off for a while, just sort of saving up. Uh, but then when we figured we had, you know, 1,400 kilometres to travel with a, 
a full car and a family and a trailer. Uh, we thought we'd better get this done before we, uh, before we moved. And uh, we didn't tell anyone, but it was going to clean our bank account pretty much right out. Uh, and uh, we thought, you know, we weren't quite sure if we'd have enough fuel money to get over. We thought we'd probably make it. Uh, and my father-in-law, he uh, helped me drop the car off uh, at, the, uh, at the mechanics. Uh, when I went to pick up the car, I went to pay the bill and the mechanic said, no, it's already been paid. And my father-in-law had arranged for the mechanic to call him first uh, and he'd gone and paid the bill for us. And so when I got there to get the car, there was nothing left for me to do. It had already been done for me. And see, our righteousness, true righteousness, is like that. The bill has already been paid. And it's a bill that we could never have repaid in a million lifetimes. But Jesus, the Christ, God's promised King, the Son of God, he snuck in first and paid it for us already. He took that curse that we were under for having broken the law and he took that curse and he took it and nailed it to the cross. And then his resurrection is a little bit like an invoice proving that the payment hasn't been declined but was paid in full. And his one-off payment was so big that it's more than enough to cover all of your past, all of your present, all of your future sins. You can never out-sin the sacrifice that Jesus has made. But only if you trust that promise. Only if you receive that promise by faith, by believing, by accepting what he has done for us. Now, if you have a bill uh, that you believe has been paid, what do you do? Do you keep trying to pay the bill? No, of course not. You don't leave the car at the workshop and walk home. No, the, the right response when the bill's been paid is, is not to stand there arguing with the mechanic that he needs to take your money. It's to jump in the car and drive home and be thankful it's to trust, actually, yes, that that debt has been paid. No one's going to come knocking at your door chasing money. That actually is what faith is. Believing that Christ didn't die for nothing. Believing that Christ really did take away our curse. Believing and trusting that Jesus really has done everything to make us right with God and that there is nothing we need to add or contribute to what he has already done. His righteousness has been credited to your account. So, get in the car and drive. Live your life, not in an attempt to keep earning or proving your way to God. Not trying to pay Jesus back as if you ever could, as if that's not insulting. But live free, knowing that it's been paid knowing that it's been done for you. Where else can you get that kind of peace or freedom or relief or life? 
Where can you get that kind of joy knowing that you're not going to be crushed anymore by a debt you'll never pay? Knowing you're no longer under a curse that you can never get rid of. What freedom we have in knowing that Jesus has done it all for us. I want to encourage you, if you have been trying to earn your way to God, if you've been trusting in your flesh to be right and acceptable to God, give up. Jesus has done it for you. Just believe. Stop fighting it. Accept it. Now, before we finish, I just want to touch on a few bewitching doctrines that uh, either focus on us doing works in order to be justified, or they try and kind of uh, mix some kind of hybrid of trusting Jesus and doing works uh, together. Uh, So I'm going to just sort of mention three. Uh, The first is a return to the law, return to the Old Testament. Uh, The second is a new law, not a return to the Old Testament law, but sort of a new man-made law uh, that we need to follow to be right with God, supposedly. Uh, And the third is that hybrid of trying to mix the mix of law and trusting in our own works and in Jesus. So firstly, return to the law. Uh, These are false gospels that try to do exactly what Paul argued against and try and bring us back to Old Testament Jewish law. Now, there are some of these and and gain traction in different parts of the community. Some of them really are trying to actually convert people back to Judaism, trying to say, no, look, it's not enough to be trusting in Jesus. You actually need to convert to Judaism. Uh, There are others that are a little more subtle. They don't insist on converting to Judaism, uh, but they insist that all the Old Testament laws still need to be followed, just like they were back before Jesus. Now, I think it's this second kind that is a bit more persuasive uh, and a bit more tricky uh, to navigate. Because it looks like people are really taking the Old Testament seriously, doesn't it? Yes, God's written it here, so we obey it, of course. But what it fails to recognise is that Christ actually came and he fulfilled the law. It fails to recognise that he's actually freed us from its regulations. The first is a return to law. The second is not a return to the Old Testament law, but a new law. And these are false gospels uh, that place certain additional requirements on salvation. Non-scriptural rules that are supposedly necessary for salvation. Now, sometimes they can be restrictions. uh, Restrictions against certain foods or drinks or alcohol or activity or clothes, things that are forbidden. And some of them are requirements certain rituals or disciplines, activities and tasks that you have to complete. And you see this in some really legalistic churches, uh, churches that often don't realise they've tampered with the gospel. But as soon as we say there's anything other than trusting Jesus that we need in order to be saved, well, like we saw last week, Jesus plus means no Jesus at all and we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And the last one I wanted to mention is an attempt to kind of fuse the two together. Law plus Jesus. Now in this, there'll be a claim that actually grace gets us so far. It gets us most of the way. You know, 
Jesus brings us all the way up, but then there's just a little bit that we have to jump. And one of the clearest examples I can think of this would probably be the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I'm only talking in terms of official Vatican-sanctioned doctrines here. And there are certain rituals that are wrapped up in in that uh, Roman Catholic doctrine that actually make certain rituals and sacraments essential for us to be right with God. Things like baptism in the church, confession, mass, last rites. See, some of these things are things that you need to do in order to be justified. And maybe the most obvious is purgatory. This idea that after we die, Christ's death kind of paid for most of our curse, most of our sin, but there's still a little bit more that has to be paid off. And so that we have to go through this suffering for a time until we have finished paying off the rest of the debt. So it's like Christ's death wasn't enough, isn't it? It's like he became a curse but still left some of it stuck to us. He made us almost right with God but not completely. Well, Paul has something to say about all three of these false gospels, doesn't he? In the gentlest, lovingest, but strongest way, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? 